You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse number 1, it says here, Ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them, for the customs of the people are vain. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold, and they fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. They're upright as the palm tree, but they speak not. They must needs be born or, or carried because they cannot go, they cannot move. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither also is it in them to do good. For as much as there is none like unto thee, O Lord, for thou art great, and thy name is great in might. Who would not fear thee, O king of nations? For to, to thee doth it appertain, for as much as among all the wise men of the nations and in all their kingdoms, there is none like unto thee. But they are altogether brutish and foolish. The stock is a doctrine of vanities. Silver spread into plates is brought from Tarshish, and gold from Euphaz, the work of the workmen of the hands of the founder. Blue and purple is their clothing. They are all the work of cunning men, but the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting king, and his wrath, the earth, at his wrath the earth shall tremble, and the nations shall not be able to abide his indignation. Lord, would you speak to us as we look at your word? Thank you for the singing. Thank you for the presentation from our missionaries tonight. Thank you for the answer to prayer we just heard from Miss Jane. And what a miracle. We thank you and praise you for it. And Lord, we know that you are able. And, Lord, you are all-powerful, and I pray you continue to work and meet needs. And, Lord, I do pray for Brother uh, Chuck Hastie's dad who's going in for surgery tomorrow morning. I did not mention that. Brother Dan prayed for it. But, Lord, I do uh, come before you again and ask you to please give uh, your touch as the doctors work on Brother Chuck's dad tomorrow. I pray that you bless now this Bible study in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll go quickly. I won't get through chapter 10 tonight, and that's okay. I, there's some things I really I want us to see, I want to cover. And uh, by the way, when we have missionaries, missionaries, uh, are they're a, a reset button for us. We get wrapped up, don't we, in our own little problems, in our own little world. Like, for instance, uh, I'll confess my sin, and I'll confess Brother Dan's sin. I guess Brother Caleb, I'll confess your sin too. You know what we get worked up about? The internet's not working right. And we've had that this week with the radio and all that. We get frustrated, not just them. Now, I, I try to calm them down, but inside, I'm fired up. I mean, this radio station, I mean, we, we've got to get, we get the good word out. We've got to get the message out. We need the internet to work. But you know what's amazing is our problems really aren't that big compared to problems that other people in the world have when you see a, a missionary presentation like we saw. Did you see some of the places where these people live? And you see these people out on the streets? And you know what's even more discouraging is when you see all the idols. There, there's no hope for these people apart from Christ. 
that there's no hope for these people apart from the gospel. And boy, we've got it good. And we, we need to get our focus on souls and our focus on that. But in this Bible study, I want you to see, first of all, I want you to see that we have a responsibility to listen. Now, I'll joke, some of you, some of you men, I, I don't remember which one specifically, but I know I've joked with some of you about, about this. But you know, husbands are notorious, right? Husbands are notorious for selective hearing. It's amazing, it's, and some of you are staring at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You're just trying to fool your wife so she doesn't catch on. But, but, but listening, we, we get so good at pretending, don't we? But it, it's just going in one ear and out the other. We get so good at just going through the motions, or maybe we nod our head at the right time, or maybe we you know, make the proper statement, um, yes, dear, or you know, whatever you say, or yes, honey, or you're absolutely right. Uh, but sometimes... We don't really listen to what is being said. I'm afraid sometimes we tune out a boss at work or we, we tune out a spouse or we tune out our children or we tune out a friend or we tune out a family member and it's just, yeah, whatever. But friend, I wanna tell you, you ought not tune people out, but you especially, and I especially best not tune out God. When God is speaking and when the word of God is being uh, proclaimed and the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to our hearts, I hope we're listening. Can I tell you this? God still has something to say. God is still in the speaking business and he has a message for us from his word. The people of Judah did not listen. and They paid the consequences. They experienced the judgment of God because they would not, here it is, chapter 10, verse one, they would not hear. They had the opportunity to listen and respond and repent, but they would not hear the word that God was speaking to them. I love what Samuel said in the book of 1 Samuel after he was uh, there in the temple with Eli and he heard his name called and he heard a voice speaking and he thought it was Eli. He kept going and waking up Eli and saying, yes, sir, what do you want? Did you call me? And Eli is like, go back to sleep. You know, like sometimes your children in the night, you know, they wake up for everything. Uh, it's a bad dream. It's um, I'm thirsty. It's I got to go to the bathroom. It's, you know, I just was looking. Uh, Chloe the other night, in the middle of the night, she's looking for some toy, you know, in the middle of the night. It's like, we're not playing with toys right now. We're going to sleep. But, but, but uh, Eli sent him back to bed and said, get back to bed. I didn't call you. And then he finally, he realized it. He said, next time you hear that voice, he said, I want you to answer and say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Can I tell you, that's exactly what our response ought to be when God speaks. We ought to say, Lord, my ears are wide open. I'm listening. God, I want to hear from you. God, I need to hear from you. And God, I need you to, to help me. And I need you to help my marriage. I need you to help my life. I need you to, to help me to be the Christian that I ought to be. But Lord, please, would you speak to me? What a privilege it is that God would speak to us. If your phone was ringing tonight and caller ID came up and it said the White House or the, the state capitol or maybe it was some CEO or some famous uh, uh, athlete or somebody that you really, you really thought a lot of, boy, you'd be, you'd be hitting answer as quick as you could and you'd be all ears. Can I tell you? The creator of the universe wants to speak. He wants us to listen and he's given us his word. And I, I want to remind us tonight, we must listen. We used to sing that chorus in Sunday school. 
linger a little longer when you kneel to pray. Anybody ever heard that song before? Linger a little longer when you kneel to pray. Don't be in such a hurry to go your way. Here it is. Listen, listen, he has something to say. Linger a little longer to pray. You know, God's got something to say. We get in a hurry. Lord, bless this and help this and give me this and I need this and I'll talk to you later, you know. Uh, some of you may have a family member kind of like that. You get them on the phone and they don't want to listen. They just want to talk. But God wants us to listen. Number one, the listening. Verse number one. Verse number two, the learning. Notice what it says in verse two. Thus saith the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen. You say, well, what's that talking about? Well, verses 25 and 26 in chapter 9, God reminded his people that he would punish the heathen, those that were the, the foreign nations, Egypt and Judah, of course, he would punish, and Edom and the children of Ammon and Moab and all that are in the utmost corners, verse 26, that dwell in the wilderness. For all these nations are uncircumcised, and all the house of Israel, God said, are uncircumcised in the heart. Here's what God was saying. These nations outwardly are wicked, but God's people had become wicked in their heart. They had, they had gotten good at making the outside look good and dotting their I's and crossing their T's, but the inside, their heart, inwardly, they were away from God. And so verse 2, Jeremiah warns the people. He says, learn not the way of the heathen. The people of Judah are getting ready to go into Babylonian captivity. They will be in Babylon for 70 years, right? Can you think of a Bible character who we know of, who is well-known, who went into Babylonian captivity, and we read about him in the Scripture because he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself? Who was that character? Daniel. And guess what the Babylonians tried to do to Daniel? They tried to influence him. They changed his name. They changed his diet. They changed the education. They tried to conform Daniel to their ways. Jeremiah, before Babylonian captivity, he warned God's people. He said, hey, you're going to Babylon. You're going to be amongst that people. But don't learn the ways. Don't learn the manner of life of the heathen. I want to remind us this evening, we are in the world, but we are not to be of this world. We are in the world, but we're not supposed to look like the world. We're not supposed to talk like the world. We're not supposed to act like the world. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. But here's what happened. We all want to fit in, don't we? And sometimes at work or sometimes in your family or sometimes in the community, sometimes there's that, that pull or there's that, that temptation to cave and to conform. Romans chapter 12, the Bible reminds us, be not conformed to this world, but be ye what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The learning Jeremiah said, don't learn the way of the heathen. Notice in verse number two, be not dismayed. Don't be afraid of the signs of heaven for the heathen are dismayed at them. Verse number uh, three, 
he goes on to say the customs of the people are vain. That, that, that's foolish. It, it, it's meaningless uh, to think that the, the, the heathen would get all worried about, well, what about the stars and what about the sun? And, of course, they worshiped those, those bodies in the heavens. But God's people were warned not to learn the way of the wicked. Friend, I want to remind you that we ought not be enamored with the entertainment of this world. I'm all for having fun. I'm all for having a good time. But you don't need the filth of this world to have a good time. You don't need to talk like the world and, and use the, the, the filth of this world in your language and in your speech. You don't need the philosophy of this world. This world philosophy is destroying many Christians because it's you got to make more money. You got to get more promotions. You got to have more stuff. I got news for you. Someday all the stuff is going to burn up. And someday the only thing that's going to matter is what you and I did for eternity. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven for where your treasure is, guess what? There will your heart be also. The ways of the heathen, God's people were warned not to uh, learn those ways and to become like the ungodly. Uh, be not deceived, 1 Corinthians says. Evil communications corrupt good manners. You better make sure that the people that are your influences and the people that you look to and the people you seek advice from are people that love God and people that believe the Bible and people that serve God, not listening to the advice and the philosophy of the world. Verse number three, here's what the heathen do. Not only the signs in the heavens that they are all worried about and concerned about, but here's what else they do. Verse number three, they cut down some trees from a forest and they use an ax and they, they chop that tree down. Then verse number four, they, they adorn the tree, they decorate the tree with silver and with gold and they, they fasten it with nails and hammers so that, so that it won't move, so that, it, so that it'll stay. Now, now think about this. We're talking about things that the heathen worship. They have to go out in the woods somewhere and chop down a tree and they have to put that piece of wood up somewhere and they've got to bring the silver and the gold and decorate it and they've got to put nails to, to fasten that thing in place so that it won't move. Okay, now, now stay with me here. Verse number five, these false gods, these idols, and by the way, we saw a lot of those in the video of the idols that are worshipped, the false gods, but verse five, they are upright as the palm tree, but they speak not. They must needs be born. They can't move. They can't, be, uh, they can't go anywhere. They have to be carried. Uh, born is the word there. Don't be afraid of them. They can't do evil. They can't do good. I mean, these, these gods are, they're dead. They are lifeless. I remember a, a preacher years ago, I don't remember who it was, made this statement. But he said this about these idols and these false gods and all this stuff. He said, I can tell you this. If you made it, it did not make you. Now you think about that. Uh, okay, so there, there was an idol we saw up on the, the, the video from, um, from Guyana. And, and there's an idol there. Somebody made that idol. Somebody had to fashion that and somebody had to mold that and somebody had to shape that. 
uh, somebody had to make it. And if you had to make the idol, that idol didn't make you. Now, we're going somewhere with this, so, so hold tight. But notice verse number six. For as much as there is none like unto thee, O Lord, thou art great, and thy name is great in might. Now, we, we're, we've talked about the false gods. The false gods, they have nails so that they can't move. Well, guess what? I know somebody, and so do you, that was nailed to a tree, to an old rugged cross. You say, could he move? Oh, you better believe he could have moved. You better believe he could have come down off that cross. Those nails weren't holding Jesus on the cross. What was holding Jesus on the cross was his love for you and me so that he could pay the price. But can I tell you, these dead gods, they have to be nailed so that they won't move, so they won't fall over. Our God, Jesus Christ, was nailed to a cross, uh, so, but he suffered and died and bled for you and for me willingly. These false gods, they don't speak. Oh, but our God speaks these false gods are dead. Oh, but our God, he's not dead. He's alive and well. You say, how do you know? Because my daughter sings every day at the top of her lungs. Don't try to tell me that God is dead. He woke me up this morning. Don't try to tell me that God is dead. He lives within my heart. Uh, Kylie even gets on it on this part. He opened up my blinded eyes and set me on my way. Don't try to tell me that God is dead. I talked with him today. Our God is alive and well. These gods are, are dead. They can't do good or bad. Our God can do nothing but good. And how foolish it is for anybody to worship gods that are made by man. Our God was not made by man. Our God made us. He created us. He breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. Verse number seven, who wouldn't fear God? I mean, you think about somebody that could create you, somebody that could speak the worlds into existence. That's somebody you ought to be reverencing and somebody you ought to be worshiping. He is the king of nations. Oh, I like this. Verse 7, and there is none like unto thee. Number one, we see the listening. Number two, the learning. But number three, we see the Lord. Our God is alive and well. Our God still speaks. Our God uh, created us. Our God uh, is, is, is the God, the Lord, the King of all the nations. But notice verse number 8. But they are altogether brutish. That word brutish, it means dull-hearted. Uh, they are foolish, verse number 8. The word foolish literally means stupid. Now, we don't say that word in our home. And um, so if any of the children here, if they repeat that to my daughters or whatever, I'll say I didn't say that, but, but, but stupid. That's exactly what it is to, to worship something that is dead, to worship something that is lifeless, to, to worship a false God. Friend, there's only one God, and I'm glad it's not even close. I'm glad it's not even a, a close contest of who is the true God. It's Jehovah God, the living God, the creator God. And these others are, are brutish. They're foolish. They're, they're stock made of wood. It says in verse number eight, they're stock. The, the wooden idol is a doctrine of vanities. It's, it's emptiness. Verse number nine, they can adorn them with silver and gold and they can uh, adorn them with blue and purple and make them look so beautiful and so extravagant and so expensive. They can do all of those things 
But notice verse number 10. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting king at his wrath. The earth shall tremble and the nations shall not be able to abide his indignation. Number four, we see not only is he the Lord, but he is living. Verse 10, he is the living God. Verse number 11, the gods of the earth, they shall perish, the Bible says. Verse 12, he, that is God, hath made the earth by his power. He hath established the world by his wisdom and hath stretched out the heavens by his discretion. Notice that description there of creation, threefold. Number one, it says, God has made the earth by his power. Can I tell you, it takes a lot of strength to make something. For those in this room that have built buildings or built houses or you've built additions, just think about how much work it is just to do something like that. Or maybe you've built bigger projects and just think about how much time. Uh, Jacob Dixon, just just think about the the weeks and the months that projects can take for the, the size and how much is involved and besides all the materials and besides all the costs and besides all of that, You know what God did? He said, let there be light. And there was light. He spoke and the worlds came into existence. I read this week, I don't don't read a lot from atheists, but I read this week a a post that someone, uh, someone put online. They said this was post was made by an atheist about Christianity. Now listen to this. This atheist said Christians, and basically saying how foolish Christians are because Christians believe that one God created a universe that is 93 billion light years in diameter. One light year is approximately 6 trillion miles. And God created that universe by himself It consists of over 200 billion galaxies. Each galaxy contains an average of 200 billion stars. And that same God wants to have a relationship with you. That's what an atheist said. You know what I say to that? You got it. You're exactly right. You nailed it. Couldn't have said it better myself. The creator of the universe that stretched out the world in his power. He established the world by wisdom. He stretched out the heavens literally like you would, you would pull a curtain. God stretched out the galaxies by his wisdom and by his discretion. What a mighty God we serve. And now hang on. And, and you want to tell me that you, you're going to worship a tree? You're going to worship a rock? You're going to worship some metal that was constructed. You're going to worship something in the sky that God created. You're going to worship that thing. Friend, I want to tell you, we have gotten to that point, Romans chapter 1, where people are now worshiping the creature more than the creator. And that's a serious case of the stupids right there. There I go again using that word. But God, the Lord, He is living. He is ever-living. He is everlasting. Psalm 8, 4, we talked about this a few weeks ago on a Wednesday, uh, Sunday night. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Notice verse 13, when he speaks. Oh, when God speaks, things happen. 
It says there is a multitude of waters in the heavens and he causeth the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings with rain and bringeth forth the wind out of his treasures. Wow. Our God is so powerful. When he speaks, can I tell you, things happen. The lightning, the thunder, the rain, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the wind, and, and what a mighty God. Verse number 14. Every man is brutish. There it is again, dull-hearted in his knowledge. Every founder, that's someone who works with metal, every founder is confounded or he is uh, disappointed in his uh, graven image. His molten image is false. It's just a bunch of lies. There's no breath in them. Now, let's stop there for a moment. These gods, there's no breath. There's no life. We're talking about our God being a living God. These false gods are not alive. They don't speak. They don't move. They don't breathe. There is no breath in them. But our God, think about this. Our God created us and put His breath in us. Genesis 2, 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. These idols have no breath, but our God breathed life into us at creation. God didn't just breathe life into us at creation, but God breathed life into this book that I'm holding right here. That's exactly what inspiration means. It means God breathed. These are not just words on a page, friend. These are the words that God breathed, that God spoke, that God gave, that holy men of God, uh, they spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. We have the breath of God in creation. We have the breath of God in inspiration. We have the breath of God. Job 33, it says, The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. Isaiah 42, Thus saith the Lord, He that created the heavens and stretched them out, He that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, He that giveth breath unto the people upon it and the Spirit to them that walk therein. Daniel chapter 5, God was judging Belshazzar for his defiling of the uh, items from the temple and from that party that he was having in Daniel 5 23 it says and the God in whose hand thy breath is and whose are all thy ways thou hast not glorified wow the fact that we actually have breath the fact that we have life is because of God he breathed life in creation there's life in inspiration and then there's life and breath with the filling of the Spirit of God in our lives. I won't have you turn there, but if you want to jot this reference down, and we'll close with this, Ezekiel 37. Of course, that's the sermon that Ezekiel preached when God took him to the valley of dry bones. And he saw that valley there of the dry bones, and, and God asked Ezekiel, he said, can these bones live? Ezekiel said, Lord, you know, you know if they can or not. I think Ezekiel's like, I don't know, but Lord, you know, and I'm not, I'm not sure I want to jump out on that limb. But God showed Ezekiel that those bones could live. 
Because what it took was it took the breath of God to literally raise up bones in a valley and to put forth an army that could go forth and that could conquer and that God could use. And it wasn't any glory of the army. It wasn't any of the power of the soldiers. They were dead, dry bones before God got a hold of them. Maybe tonight, maybe you feel like that's your Christian life a little bit. You feel like, I, just, I feel like I'm dead. I've been saved. Uh, I know Christ is my Savior. I've got the Bible. I've got the inspired Word of God. I've got all that, but I, I just, I feel like I need something for victory in my life. Well, i got news for you. God is still in the breathing business. And God can breathe life and strength and power into you through the Holy Spirit of God. It's nothing spooky. It's nothing mystical. I'm not talking about some kind of a, a charismatic experience. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when we get a hold of the power of the Holy Spirit of God, when we yield ourselves to the Spirit, we die to self, and we get filled and controlled with the Holy Spirit of God. Say that is when we see victory. Sometimes we try to do it on our own. We try to do it in our own strength, our own power. But what we truly need is we need the breath of God. These idols don't have any breath, but guess what? Our God not only has breath, He's given us the breath of life at creation. He's given us the, the breath of inspiration on His Word, and He's given us the breath of the Holy Spirit of God to fill us and empower us. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.